0: Welcome to the Yeshiva Shalmayo. This is David Lichtenstein. This week we're going to be speaking about a very sensitive topic. In fact, many people at our Shabbos table said you should not discuss it when we're going through the Shilas. Miscarriages and halacha. And there are many halachic shilas, many are quite complex, which is, I want to begin this by saying, if you have a shayla this is something you should speak to your rav about. And here are some of the shilas we'll discuss. A woman, is Rahman had a miscarriage, and she's struggling with her mental health, incredibly traumatizing to lose a child. Can her husband hold her hand? Is there an Issa Do we say it's volyaver by Nita? Or do we say Nita? There is no din of Yarek volyaver. Very interesting conversation. We're going to go through the chuvas about that. Is there a of Kfura on a fetus? At what stage? What about naming it? We're going to see a fascinating chuva from Ramayusha Feinstein, which implies a naful of any age, right? Even from the beginning, has Tchia amesim, And therefore, the way we understand it, would need a name. Or, or there would be an Indian to give it a name. What about saying Kaddish for a fetus, or sitting Shiva? Would you be allowed to? Is there any din? At what point does it create a problem for Pidyan These and many other Shilas. Now, usually, we always have our, the Ravon who's going to discuss the Shilas first. I'll cover that Torah. But here, the topic is so sensitive, I didn't know whether we should play it or not. So, we went to you know the preeminent from authority on this Devorah Anton she's a therapist whose specialty is prenatal and reproductive health issues mental health issues and I asked her the, that question should we or should we be speaking
1: the more we are able to uh, create awareness around just number one how Common this is, and then also how complicated it is. The greater likelihood there, the greater likelihood there is that we will help people feel less alone, less isolated, less like they're going crazy, like there's something wrong with them for feeling sadness and grief around the pregnancy loss.
0: She was felt strongly it should be discussed, and she said more trauma comes from keeping a topic. You know, in darkness, in the closet, it's a secret, it's hidden. Then bring it out into the open, there's no shame about it. It's a discussion, how to deal with it. And it actually leads to cure and, and healing. So we followed her guidance but I want to I played her first I wanted to take Rishus before us. in this case we we played her first and then we have Rabbi Tuvia Kazimov we wrote a Sefer about it or a about it he's a, a member of the base in Crown Heights he's I hope that for those who have struggled with this, that they find it palliative as, as they come away with it with insight and with uh, mechuzik. And if those who listen get, get hurt by it, I, I ask you for forgiveness. I only mean to do good with this and to educate the eye and so those who are going through it. Before we go to our program, I want to say the Vartaira. This week is, you know, it's two parshas, but one of the topics this week is the topic of the Soyer La'Zozzel and here's a fascinating machlokes in Rishayim. Is the soil lazazel? It's like the piece of garbage you throw off a cliff. It's like oof. when they tell you, you know, to, to go with a soil lazazel, and people don't mean a nice thing, right? What is it? we say that it's okay? You know, there's the good and that is there's, there's lazazel. Or is that lazazel, surprisingly, also a carbon? So the Pasik says, Shnei the Torah calls the soyer lazazel a chatas, And the Ebenezer jumps all over. He said, This is a chatas. I mean, where do you have a chatas? That's that, that nickel, etc. And other Rishaynim say like this too. On the other hand, the great Rambam and the Moira in Pepechali Gimel Mevav says very clearly, Shnei it's a chatas. it's a carbon chatas. That's not Nekra Volgabim, is And fascinating is something I found, the Radak on the Pasik that we say, Shabbat Shuva Shuvah Yisrael, Unishalma Purim, Sfaseinu. Everybody that says, Unishalma Purim, Sfaseinu. Our lips take the place of Purim what are the carbonus. So, Radak asked the question, like, where do you know that from? Where does, so he said, Yes, again, the Pasuk, Like, where does the Pasuk know? Nishalma interesting question. He says, If it's from a regular carbon, well, if it's nikrvul, is isbeach, it's true you say vidui, but it's vidui plus the hakrava. Where do, where do you see that vidui itself is bamakaim hakrava? So, how do you know Nishalma Parim? So, Radak, Parim you see by the Sayyid he says, the Navi sword from the Sarawazazel, because the Sarawazazel, there was a VD on it. And what, were you, Vidi, what was the vidy? by the way? B'nei Yisrael. So he says, there's a Vidi on it, and it's not Nechavol is So you see that the Svaseinu have a greater impact than, than the sword that was Nechavol Gabi So clearly the Radak is learning that the soil lazazil has a din of a carbon. He's saying he has a carbon, was a Nikrav. And from there you learn that the fasenu alone are greater than those that are nicra, right? So clearly this has to be a carbon to, say, to learn out that it's greater than the other carbonus. So the question is, what is the, here's the struggle, I, I put to you. I mean, you take a, a you take the the uh, the sawyer and one is Nikrav on the on the koideh, you bring it. It's on the Bayach and you know the koyin. The other one you take and you throw. Like, where is the carbon here? What's the message of this carbon? Shne and and not only that, that it's from this that we learn. All the the whole din of uh of uh Nishalma Param and ironically, it's it's the the of Kip of his of his Kalavayna's Banae rolls on the Like explain that, why? It doesn't doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. So I, I wanna share a word with you and my island you know, they call in with messages, you'll tell me whether you think I'm right or you think I'm wrong. But what do we know about the Soyer Lazazel? We know that the two Seirim, the Gemara says, have to be identical. Bamara, Bakaima, Begoiva. They had to look ex- exactly the same. One is Lashem and one is Lazazel. What's the message? I want to suggest something. I want to suggest that every Midi that a person has, something strong, pal, has a shadow that's equally as damaging. You're a tremendous fiery doer. When you're a fiery doer, if you're a real, you know, you're energetic and a this there's a good problem with your all your boldness. You could end up making some real mistakes. I mean, I personally, I never got the fear bone, and it's landed me in some very bad situations because you know, prudence isn't a bad thing. Somebody who is uh, very empathetic and kind, and you know what? Sometimes they have no boundaries. They don't know when to stop giving. They give and they give until they're all a feet, they're all used out. Somebody who's funny. Have you seen? Really, make jokes in a time when jokes shouldn't be made. What about one of the big miles a person can have? Somebody's disciplined, you know. They stark They come. Good morning. Get up for Daviding, You know. What about living with somebody who's very rigid? You know. The other side of discipline, the dark side of discipline, is to keep us the inability to be flexible, the inability to ever give way. That this is the only way. This is the only way it could be. Everything's black and white. I mean, l- living with these people can be really very difficult. So every tree has a shadow. And the bigger the tree, the more beautiful, the higher it is, the bigger the shadow. And that creates real problems. Now let me share with you a story. I don't know exactly the Nusser. I heard it from Dr. Pelkowitz, the great therapist. He said personally he, he was involved with it. So there was a family that the grandfather was very successful, big veer, and a tremendous market tyrant. He held out the institution where he lived. Uh, just a real wonderful person. And he had a family, and the family was in the business with him. And they had an a And this anical was a troublemaker, mamish. You know, in school, he made sorrows. He went up to the to the roof, and he made put up flags. And he, uh, you know how kids in school could make, you know, a lebedeck, right? So they threw the kid out of school. They warned them, they warned them, and then they threw him out. So uh, the grandfather and the family actually... Was very upset with the boy can understand why he embarrassed the family and he wasn't disciplined then and the grandfather heard about it and he asked for a meeting with that of the school and, and with his his son and his daughter-in-law and he said a story and this is basically he said i grew up in uh, near krakow in, in galicia and the Germans invaded, he said, and I was only sixteen. I knew there was real trouble coming. I just I had read been involved and listened, and I and I heard undertones. And I went to my parents and I said, Like we should run. And I said, Well, I have to leave everything behind. We can't run. I mean he says, well, but I heard that they're terrible, they're murder. No he said, Look, I'm going. And he said, You can't go I'm going. He packed his valise and everybody said you miss sugar and he they were crying and he took a bicycle and he left. The Germans were advancing very rapidly. The panzers, they would go forward seventy miles and then lock everything. Thing down. First, you know, tremendous lightning thrust. That's how they advanced with the the advent of the tank in World War II. And Poland was very flat. He said he had a bicycle and like he could see, he could hear shots coming. He was just stayed ahead of them because, of, and he says, and the morass of people leaving and he had to weave on road, you know, these lanes. And finally the bike crashed and he, he just ran by foot. And then he jumped on top of a wagon and he always managed to stay ahead of the Germans. until he got to the Russian front and then eventually he made it to America. He said, you know, my father didn't survive, my mother didn't survive. None of my brothers or sisters survived, my uncles didn't survive. He says, I survived, because I was just a little bit of a rebel, or maybe a little crazy. And I came here, and that's how I created everything I did. And he looked at the Hanhala, and he looked at his, his kids, and he said, this grandchild, he's me. If you throw him out, I'll never fund another to send to this school. And he looked at his kids, and I won't have anything to do with you either. And he left. What was he saying? He was saying, yeah, this kid is a troublemaker. Do you know what happens with such a troublemaker? They could create the greatest of things. So every media has a dark side. What does it say about the soil as our cell? It has to be daima. It's the same thing. It's the flip side of the exact same thing. And On one side, it's kuley The other side could be lapach. But what's the message? It's not that the dark side is bad. The other side is a carbon. It's shnei Sirium l'chatas. We learn the shalma params vasenu. So what does that mean? Our avoidance, how do we harness that dark side and realize it's holy? And how do we turn it into something great? How do we turn it into running away from the Nazis, the courage to run away all by yourself when you're 16 years old? The Torah is telling us, the sirela is the Vidya in it was bigger than the Vidya of the... One, the Vedriya is the soyer, the chathah sapnimi was votamil the tomas uh, which we don't even have bisman as somebody And the other one is l'chapral kolovay If we could master our dark side over the years where we have, we could have our greatest strength. So, if you struggle with your dark side, no, it's not bad, it's holy. You just have to figure it out. And if you have a child with a dark side, you know what? The opposite of that dark side is a great tree. We just have to figure it out. Right? Let's go to our riddles of the week. This week we have Parshish Yom What does also in Yom Kippah? The, Shniyes, the ones that weren't broken. The Shniyes, the ones that survived. What a holy thing. But here's the incredible thing. In the whole Yom Kippur, not in the Kriya Satira, not in the Tefillah, we mention nowhere Kabbalah Satira of the Luchashnias. Why is it missing? Right? The greatest event that happened to Kal Yisrael, the Kabbalah Satyra of the Luchashnias, which is the Tyra that we have, the ones that weren't broken, is missing from the day that it happens. Why? Not? Why? That's our first riddle. And here's our second riddle. It's really a fabulous shila. By Sfiris Aimer, the Shila in the paiskim in and the, the shalchanar actually, uh, whether the shliach tzibur could be mighty, the eilam. It seems that in some communities, the shliach tzibur would count, and the eilam would be Yaitze with the shliach tzibur. So the bir halacha, in tough peites, sim and alephs, in devryab mitzvah, says that a shliach tzibur who's mighty, the tzibur by Sfiris HaEymer, the, the tzibur sits... Even though by Sphierosimer it says Bakama and Bakama, Khazal Darshan Bakhayim, he's supposed to stand by Sphere which is what we all do. He said, But when the Tzibur is listening to the Khazin and he's being mighty then, you don't have to stand a Westasvara. It's sort of like Shliach Kadem Kamais. If he's doing it, he has to stand. If a guy sends a Shliach to be Makadesh Isha, the Shliach is the one who says Area Mukadesh. So it's not the it's not the He could be sleeping in bed while the Shliach is doing it. And the same thing the Lovush Lamashal says by Kriya Satira, this is in Kufma Aleph, He says even though the you should be standing. To be right. He says, since the Balkaira is the Shliach, lamid, is he's the Shliach, he says he's I for the tzibur too. Okay, the that's the Biralakha that the shliach Tzibur stands for the uh, for the uh, individual who's listening. side by thing, and he says by Kriya Satyra. So here's the problem. By chazorah sashatz the Ramana Chaim Kufhav Daladal says that we stand, which is what most Benay Tiras stand, and the Groa and the Mishnabura on um, the firewai because since you're being Yitza with Hazar Sashats, you have to stand. It's like you're Davaninhmanesra. Stand when you're Davanishmanesra. And the Sharatin says the same thing with by by, by by the Brachas of Kriyas Megillah. Just like the Balkyra if you would make the Brachas, you would have to stand. If you're being Mighty Vim Al also stand. So what's the difference by Sriya Saimur and Kriyas Satira? That over there the Mishnah Burr says that the listeners could sit, because there's no din the din would only be on the, the one who's saying it, on the, on the Chazan, on the Shliach, to Tefillah and Megillah, where the Mishnu Bura says, no, in those cases, you could you have to stand, because if you're being yaitan, there's a din of Amidah by, uh, by the brachas of Kriyas Megillah or by Hazaras Hashas over there, you have to stand. Well, Chayre, it's a stir between the two in Yanim. These are our two riddles of the week, and of course, at the end of the program, we play the answers to the riddles. If you want to leave a message by phone or dial in by phone to listen, in America, our number is 732-806-8700. In England, it's 44, like that's the country code, 3301170250. In Eretz Yisrael, it's uh 304 Let's go to our fabulous shear
2: Joining us from Philadelphia is Devorah enton, who's a therapist whose specialty is reproductive and perinatal mental health. Welcome, Ms. Enton.
1: Hi. Pleasure to be here. So let me start
2: with the beginning. I, I When I told my, you know, usually around the Shabbos table a week before, I talk about like some of the issues that I'm going to be sp- speaking about the next week. And I got such pushback, like speaking about... um you know, miscarriages, do you know the pain it's going to bring out in people? And I mean, would you speak about death? I mean, would you speak about, you know, how to bury your child? And, and there was so much outrage and I was really shook up. I didn't know, am I doing the right or the wrong thing? So let me start with you. Is is this the type of thing we should be discussing on here or is, or is there too much pain involved in it? Will you be hurting people or helping people?
1: So I'm of the very firm belief that we are helping people. I think that when we begin a conversation around difficult issues, especially things that are relevant to actually a large population of our community, we know that as many as one in four pregnancies will end in a loss. Um, and so when we're talking about something that has a, such a strong prevalence especially in a community where we have many pregnancies and large families the more we are able to uh, create awareness around just number one how common this is and then also how complicated it is the greater likelihood there, the greater likelihood there is that we will help people feel less alone less isolated less like they're going crazy like there's something wrong with them for feeling sadness and grief around the pregnancy loss so I believe I'm a strong believer that the answer is one hundred percent we are doing the right thing by having these conversations. So talk to us. I don't know if it's fine a woman has had a miscarriage.
2: Or a stillbirth. I mean they're sort of in the same neighborhood. Um or, or are they? And so sure. the first question is sure. are they? And and and, it, it, and 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 if this woman is grieving, um walk us through you know, how to deal with it, what would you tell her, etc.
1: Okay, so before we get to like the specifics, I want to back us up just in terms of the language around pregnancy or perinatal loss. So there is a difference in terms of kind of the span or the spectrum of a loss that happens in the first twenty weeks of pregnancy. So we have a total of typically forty weeks of pregnancy approximately. up until twenty weeks it's called a miscarriage. From twenty to forty weeks it's called A stillbirth. But I want you to just, for anybody who's not quite sure of where 20 weeks kind of fits in, you know, we're talking about somewhere around six to seven months of pregnancy is where, you know, if we're talking about a 23 week loss, just to give you a sense of where are we when we're talking about even just a 20 week loss, most people are showing and most people have told someone that they're pregnant. So that's the first thing, just to understand that the grief might or might not look different when it's an earlier loss versus a later loss. But what is different is who knows about this pregnancy. So it's a much more of a public experience the later that pregnancy is carried, the later that fetus survives. The greater this is a public experience of grief. Earlier losses, that's also part of the challenge. Let me interrupt you.
2: So you say public. Is there an element of shame in a miscarriage? So
1: y- y- there there should never be, obviously. I mean, something that the body, there's nothing that we've done to cause this to happen to us, right? A woman loses a pregnancy, typically there's nothing that one can do to cause her to have that miscarriage. Usually, almost 100% of the time, it's no fault of her own. Miscarriages happen because of genetic conditions. They happen because of illness or some kind of impact to the parent, to the mother. Um, it could be just something where the, the body just stops um You know, sustaining the pregnancy, many different reasons and many just unknown reasons why these things happen. And yet, because, you know, the reality is that within our community, things centering around pregnancy tend to be private in general. We don't typically tell people we're pregnant until we're around three months pregnant anyways. Um, but pregnancy tends to be a private issue. And so therefore loss by extension also becomes a private issue. But for some reason, when it feels, remember, if you think about like a loss, it almost feels like I should have in some way not lost it, right? Oh, you lost your keys? Like, what did you? Where do you? Your Slamiel, you lost your keys, and so when we use that word pregnancy loss, it feels almost like there's a level of ownership or responsibility that goes along with even just the languaging around these kind of losses, which can promote shame. That sense of there and must be it, something it, I did so wrong.
2: For, so the client, yes. Yes. In your client. So So do people have shame if they have,
1: let's say, a heart attack? They shouldn't, right? right? But let's let's imagine, think about if, if you, if for those of us that are blessed with children, if you have a little girl, what's happening in a typical little girl by four, five, and six years old, she's pushing that baby carriage, she's stuffing her belly with a couch pillow, she's talking about becoming a mommy. The idea of pregnancy and parenthood and specifically motherhood is something that we've been acculturated from a very, very young age, right? It's very unusual that a child would not identify herself as wanting to be a mother at some point in her life. So it seems like this is the most natural thing I'm supposed to be doing. This is everything my body has been built to do, and it didn't do it, and it didn't succeed. I feel betrayed by my body. I feel like my body has failed me in some way. And so that is where the shame kind of, like, falls in. It's misplaced shame. Wait, it's wait. It is. But
2: but I don't understand that. Even if your body failed you, right? Mm-hmm. So a heart attack, your body failed you too. True.
1: True, but my, you're right, and yet that I, I can only explain. I mean, is it, are are people ash- of like are people ashamed
2: of allergies? or Are they ashamed? I mean, that's a much more milder thing. If a person has, right. I don't know, right. pick any one of a number well, well, of different diseases, or you know, sure. Crohn's disease, well, let me ask, let, let, I,
1: let me ask, people, well, let me, well, yeah, but don't, haven't you seen that shift over the last number of years? Twenty years ago, it was she had yena right? Oh, the child is sick. We don't talk about it. Things have shifted in time. There's no question about it. Um, I, I remember growing up, we never talked about that. We never used the word cancer. Never, we never. You see, a Makro. Well, I don't. But,
2: but I don't. I don't changed. think that's. I, I. I don't think that's a matter of shame over there. I think it's a matter of superstition. Like if you, if you, it's like those you know, just power. thought. You want to you, give power. You sure. it, yeah, you know, I don't think sure. that was a matter of shame so much. I think so. I'm just saying, I, I, I've never heard shame. Attributed yes. to disease maybe maybe to maybe to you know drinking, which is obviously self controlled you know or, or drugs right but to some type right. of a a, a a a genetic or a bodily m- m- misfunction or a disease i mean i mean did we you know well the get sick
1: right feels different I think it feels different to women and to men who are dealing with yes. perhaps their own infertility that it feels very different even though when I can stand back and say, but it's not your fault. This is the way Hashem created you. This is the way your body just didn't succeed in carrying the pregnancy. Or okay. for the men, if I'm dealing with things like male and male factor infertility, this is just what happened to your body. There's no, you know, you don't have any sperm, but that doesn't take away the feeling of I am failure. Stuff. So that's misplaced shame, maybe, but the reality is, is that's what's there. There's an embarrassment. There's a discomfort with it. Like I should have been able to do this and I couldn't do it. So I think that when we talk about these things in a public forum, what we're doing is we're highlighting, not, not, it doesn't necessarily make it easier for someone, but it makes it something that we can number one, talk about. And most importantly, it's okay to express the sadness over what I have just gone through. And even if it's, you know, just me as a professional talking about it, that is what is supportive.
2: So here's a question to you and then I'll let, I'll let you talk because that's why we, you know that's why we want you here but to me um grieving is a process which psychology embraces which the tire was the first to embrace I mean we had somebody at work come this year come to work the day after they lost their mother was obviously mm-hmm. somebody mm-hmm. who on on Ockham. and I just looked mm-hmm. at the person with such incredible incredulousness, like mm-hmm. you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So, so sure. my, my my point is is that we give grieving so much covered by call Israel, whereas a miscarriage just is supposed to just disappear and nothing, and we yeah. don't give it a grieving process, and isn't that very wrong?
1: So I can't. So here's where I think that that came from. I think we have to really address it from the perspective of what did maternal and infant mortality and neonatal mortality really look like 100 years ago, 1,000 years ago, right? It was very common to lose pregnancies. It was even just as common to lose babies and children. The likelihood of you having your entire, all the children that your birds raised until adulthood was incredibly rare. Most people lost. Uh, Let me just interrupt you. In the year
2: 1900, infant mortality was 43%. Mm Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, b- many, you know
1: how many before children
2: before antibiotics yeah. and, 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 and before yep. antibiotics and and, and vaccinations? Right. Four, exactly. Forty-three percent. And if you go back a hundred years before that, it was one out of every two. For all the, the anti vaxxers out there, it was one out of two. Mm-hmm. One out of two exactly. before them. Let's
1: continue. Yeah. Okay, so continue. And I will say to you, just for comparison, because we should compare it, we're about 6% in the United States. Right, at a 6% neonatal loss and, um, and infant mortality, which is a child that lives up to 28 days. So it's 6 versus 42. So there was a certain experience that we understood that in life we would be losing our pregnancies and our babies. So it was just, it was a way of life that didn't mean that they weren't grieving, it didn't mean that they were and sad, but it also was almost like like you would have a cough, you would lose a baby. And I know that sounds very crass to say it in that perspective. But what we are saying is that there was a certain commonness or a shared experience among almost everyone that this is the way of the world. I think that when, so it's difficult for us to look through the history and of course through halakha, through that lens, um, in terms of like the halakha, the halakhos around grieving through the lens of today, which is a 6% mortality versus like you said, one in two, um, and so I cannot, I cannot comment specifically as to why we, we, there are many different reasons that I'm sure you can comment on as to why a chachamim did not assign the responsibility of, of, of a formalized grief process to a miscarriage or a stillbirth. That is a separate, that's kind of a separate conversation. However, as infant mortality and, pre- and, and perinatal loss became more and more uncommon, the had absolutely the today's robot and within the last twenty to thirty years even more so have, have um have deeply supported the concept of you have permission to be fat, you have permission to grieve, you have permission to cry. It doesn't mean therefore you should sit shiva that the needs of this Neshamah are different and the needs of the greeting person actually are different. But I will tell you as a therapist, I use the framework as you as you so, so um, like concretely described, like I feel bad for you if you don't get to sitchava, right? You, you're somebody who's not an observant person or doesn't, is not Jewish, doesn't have that. doesn't have that. Opportunity. And so I use it as like a little bit of like a loose framework. When somebody says like, when should I go back to work? When should I be like, what is this process supposed to look like on a practical level? I actually say like what I'm doing on day one should look different than what I'm doing on day seven. And then by day 30, something might look a little bit different like this. And then by day, you know, and within the next several months, this is how the process might change for you. Because one of the things that I also encourage is that you must greet even if somebody says, no, but I'm really okay. But no, but, like, I really feel fine. No, but I really have, like, I feel strong. But if you're asking my opinion, you must create space for grieving. And because the ones who choose not to are like, like, stuff it. Yeah. 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 There's tremendous. Just like Shiva. You don't have. Bracha in shiva. That's right. That's right. But, people, it's very complicated because it's a very, for, for an earlier loss, especially, where the. Pregnancy ends in more of a procedure versus a birth. the The opportunity to like have something tangible to hold, to look at, to touch doesn't exist. So it's this like, um, almost like disenfranchised grief. Like I'm not sure how I make sense of this kind of a loss. So if I can't hold it or touch it, did it was it real? And if it wasn't something I could hold or touch, I mean, I know it was real. I saw that heartbeat. I know that it was real. But how do I then like talk about it or grieve it if I don't get to sit shiva, etc.? So there's a lot of confusion in the grief experience. For those that are experiencing a pregnancy loss, because we are a structured people, like we love structure, we are raised. Religious people, especially, are raised as like right shoe, left shoe, tie left, tie right. Like we know how to do structure, and that's one of the most confusing experiences for pregnancy loss is there's no structure. Have you, have you, also, ever, have you yeah. ever heard? Have you ever heard? Have you
2: ever heard a rav say that shiva is permitted?
1: I have not had someone ask if Shiva is, is is necessary or if they want, if they... I have not heard somebody ask that, Shaila. And I think that one of the things that we've been guided, at least I have had the guidance along the way, is not to create religious ritual around these kinds of losses. So there will be those, for example, that will say... I want to light a candle. And the will say, if you feel like it's necessary, you can light a candle, but you shouldn't add an extra lift to your Shabbos candles. Like if you want to light one for the first week, if you want to light one for sitting, like for the next several days, if that feels comfort comforting to you, you can, but they really very strongly discourage increasing any kind of like religious ritual around these kinds of losses. And there, but I will say, you that there are those women that absolutely add that candle. There is no discussion about it. Like, I had a baby. That baby was not alive, but that baby was mine. And so I need to have that candle available to me every Friday night when I bench lift, that that candle is available to me to commemorate and memorialize this child that I never got to take home. Um, I have not seen Shiva being used as, like, a recommendation at all. But, but candles, yeah. Candle but candles, I have seen absolutely, um, absolutely. I also would encourage things that are non-ritualistic. So, for example, um, making a little box and putting the photos that you might have had from ultrasound or that positive pregnancy test, or maybe you had a card from the doctor's office or that little onesie that you were planning on bringing the baby home from the hospital. It would be, I would encourage them to create something that they can always look at and hold that, that, that like, creates a concrete experience of their loss. Which is different than lighting a candle from a more ritualistic and religious perspective.
2: What about with the stillbirth holding the child? What do you do you have an opinion about so
1: are, that? Yeah, I have a very strong opinion about that. So I want to back it up just again from a halakhic perspective versus from a from a psychological perspective, and the two really are very strongly aligned, um, as I tend to see pretty frequently in these, this area of work. Um, the the, the halacha, halacha relating to the deceased child is that this baby is considered not a nace. The baby is considered a an naceo, and it is not a nace. When we deal with a mace, we cover the body very quickly. We bury the body as quickly as possible. There's a lot of halakhas around, you know, being in the room with a mace. Those kind of things apply to a mace. And a child that has not been alive and has not lived on this earth, and even those that have lived for a few hours and sometimes even a few days, would still be within the category of a mace. which holds a different halakha. One of the few things that comes with that halakha, for example, is if that baby was born on Shabbos, that baby would actually be considered muktzah. But other than that... Other than that, it holds a different status halachically. And what we have seen almost across the board—not it's everyone. There's certain groups within our Orthodox, you know, differences, and within different, perhaps one Hasidus would say, you know, one one rav or Rebbe would say yes to this, and one Rav or Rebbe would say no to this. Um, however, we have seen a very strong support for women and their spouses to be able to look at, to be able to hold, to be able to touch and to be able to be with their child for a period of time after the birth. Um, some of you, perhaps those who would be sitting around your child's table, might be saying, what is she talking about? That sounds crazy. Like, let's just like get it out of her way, like get it out of the space. She doesn't need to think or look at her. Talk. Like, why are we doing that? And what we have seen, I would say almost a hundred percent of the time, well, I would say like this, a hundred percent of the time I have never spoken to somebody who regretted doing it. Absolutely have spoken to people who have regretted not having done it and Part of that is um, a sense of, I need to be able to say hello to this child in order for me to be able to say goodbye to this child. How can I say goodbye to something that I never got to meet? And especially if there's a fully formed body, a baby that I felt moving inside of me, I want to be able to say goodbye. Um, I will share with you that one of the things I keep saying is she and her, but we must not forget the husband, the father of this child is is with that mother in that room and it's really the two of them grieving. Um there is definitely some differences in the way that couples grieve these kinds any kind of loss but especially these losses. She's the one who carried the baby inside. She's the one who felt that baby inside of her, but there's no question that men and husbands experience grief around babies that die. Um, even earlier losses, they also grieve. Um, and we really just don't want to forget that kind of loss experience for husbands and wives. And what we see typically is like a chill, someone will say, how's your wife? And what I would love to hear a shift, a small shift in change is how is your wife and how are you? I'm so sorry that you went through this. I wish this hadn't happened. Um, and I just wanted to check in on you, my friend, and how are you? Um you know it was, it was. It, I've heard too many mistakes happen very often in Schultz, like where the question is surrounds the woman and nobody checks in on him. And he attended that birth and he was there when she gave birth to that baby and she he met his child and nobody asked him anything about that. And that is a significant sadness for him. And very often, there's nowhere to express it because he doesn't, he may not even want to like talk to her about it, talk to his wife about it because he doesn't, he may feel like he's worried that he'll hurt her more. And that's some of the work that we tend to kind of support and facilitate that conversation.
2: So, what is what is does the recovery process look like, and what are some of the challenges that you face or that, well, that the parents face that you help them with
1: okay so um I like the fact that you use the word recovery because I think that that opens the conversation around physical recovery and also emotional recovery. And I love that you did not use the word healing. Um, Healing to me is a very triggery. It's not a word that I I like because I think everybody has to define what that recovery process will look like independent of um, like what comes next or independent of how I think that they should or that they're Mother in laws think that they should be doing in this process of recovery. So, from a physical recovery, we need to remember that this woman is postpartum. And depending on how far along in gestation that pregnancy was, she either gave birth or went through a medical procedure. Um, Medical procedure means there was sedation, and a birth may mean that there was anesthesia as well. But no matter what, there was a Physical recovery that is crucial for a woman that just had a baby um it's one of the things that we you know sometimes have to remind parents that even though you're not home feeding a baby or taking a baby on a walk. You are still postpartum. You're still in that immediate postpartum process. You're also at risk, just by the way, I can't not discuss this without mentioning, you're also at risk of any postpartum mental health condition that either you may um, have had in your previous pregnancies, like postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety, even postpartum psychosis. You are still at risk for that post-loss your body had a pregnancy, it is no longer pregnant. One other thing I wanna mention from a recovery standpoint is that women who give birth, especially somewhere by around 14 to 17 weeks, at that point forward, she's going to produce milk her body does not know that there is no baby to feed. And so there's not only the physical recovery, but also that her body is trying to feed a a baby that is not alive. And so there is a process for her, which can be not only physically painful, but also emotionally very difficult to have this milk to provide to a baby that they cannot, that they cannot, there's no, there's no use for it from her body to her child. Um, And so there's a physical recovery in that piece. From an emotional recovery perspective, um, the process is one that is defined by each person uniquely, so the person who comes into uh, into a post loss process who had three previous losses is going to look different than the person who this is her first miscarriage or her first loss and And by that, we have to think about also the other things that go into that room. Like, what if she just lost her mother a year ago? Or what if she just recovered from, you know, a medical crisis in the family and now she just gave birth to her first baby post-medical crisis? There's a lot of things that go into that room that will impact what recovery and the grieving experience will look like. Um, I would say, too, that it looks like any other kind of grief. I'm not in the mood of eating. I'm not necessarily taking, um, you know, as many showers as I kind of want. I usually shower five days a week, six days a week. I'm only showering once or twice. I'm not really in the mood. I, I, I'm having a hard time concentrating. Like, I keep putting that magazine on my lap and nothing's sticking. I don't remember what I read. I listened to a podcast. It doesn't make sense to me. I have no idea what we were talking about. I was, um, I, I feel some some women will feel things like significant, not only women, this will be women and men as well, irritability, like a strong, like a very quick trigger. Like everything will will spark my anger or my, 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 like everything will irritate me. Things that wouldn't normally bother me will bother me pretty heavily. Some women experience rage. Someone will be very rageful, very angry, angry at circumstances, angry at just like, how did I get here? Um, and then, of course, that deep, deep longing for that baby. Um, you may actually, in some pretty significant number of women, will you will hear them say, "I wish I could die," and that isn't actually a suicidal statement because the next line is, "Because that's where my baby is, and I want—I'm supposed to be with my baby. My baby isn't here. I'm supposed—I'm a good mother would be with their child." Um just giving you a the sense of the. Depths of despair and longing and sadness when someone has a child that they do not get to bring home from the hospital. So, when we talk about process, the most effective form of processing this grief is number one, to make sure that you have permission to grieve. And by that, I mean that you give yourself permission to grieve. I have the right to grieve this loss, that I'm not crazy for wanting to feel this way, that I'm not rushing to be okay, 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 that I maybe need permission sometimes from my spouse. Or from my mother, who's kind of like new, 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 let's go, get back to yourself already. It wasn't that bad. It wasn't, I also had losses, you're fine. Sometimes that's the messaging that women and couples will hear. So, space and permission to grieve time to grieve. So if they're rushing back into work and they're rushing back into carpools because they feel like that's what they're obligated to do, very often it feels like it's, it's like leaks out of them in multiple ways. Sometimes we'll see it as rage, anger, irritability. It's like leaking or like kind of like exploding from them because they don't have time to do the grief that they need to do. Um, and then over time, what we want to see is hopefully that she and they find this, to share their grief with another person whose greetings who can support them in that, that they don't feel so alone, and that they are, and, and then one of the most valuable pieces, which speaks back to your original question, is that their grief and their loss is remembered. Um, we, we, we hear this across the board from people who lose children that lives for many years or short years or short hours or not at all outside of them. So when I say to someone, I remember that work, you lost that your baby died last year. And if the baby had a name, I would say the name. And I remember that this, and we're coming up upon an anniversary and there is such a sense of, I'm so thankful you remembered. Nobody else remembered. Or, thank you so much for saying something because I, I don't have anybody to share this with. And I have seen that across the board, like with almost no exception. Um, and to use if the baby had a name, many people do name their children and they name their children. And some people will actually share what they named their children, some won't. But if they do, then try to use that child's name in, in your memorialization or remembering with them, um, use that name. Um, even a year or two later, it is such a powerful, powerful interpersonal experience. And what we hope to see over time is that they are able to resume the normal activities that they were that they were doing before. They were typically doing carpal. They begin to do carpal again within several weeks' time. They're usually cooking dinner. They're, doing, they're going back to work. They're running their company. Um, but they're also being mindful that it's okay to continue to feel sad. One of the most common questions is, how long am I going to feel this way? And there's no answer to that question. It really isn't. And it's okay if you hold this sadness for the rest of your life, but it won't always be as big as it feels right now.
2: Nora, oh, that was fantastic. Really wonderful. And many women, what percentage of women go for therapy after a loss?
1: It's hard to assess because we Orthodox community don't exactly answer polls. <laughs> um, yeah, I think so. it depends on like, I think a huge, I think a huge, uh, Component of that is what kind of support system they have. So the woman who says to me, my husband and I go on a walk every night, we just walk around the block and we talk and he brings me a cup of coffee and, and my my sister checks in on me and a week or a month or two or seven later, you know, my mother's also so like, she's okay if I bring it up. Those women don't need therapy. It's the women um, and the men who it don't find support. You're saying it
2: depends how much scaffolding they have.
1: Yes, and and I think also the feelings of like what went into this loss also makes a difference. So if there was a traumatic birth, like the baby died at the birth, which is rare, but it does happen, um, or she hemorrhaged and the baby died, or she had a hysterectomy because she was hemorrhaging when the baby died, those are things that are more more like much larger traumatic and uh, traumatic traumatic and frightening experiences that very often will prompt somebody to go into therapy. I think what I would say is, can I flip that into a question, say when should a person consider therapy, right? So I I think what I'd like to I'd like to suggest is, is kind of that people should consider that I would like to begin to see some level of progression towards Functioning. So, like, whatever you define as being functional, like, if you never cooked dinner for your kids, then I don't expect to do that six weeks post loss. But, like, if you used to, then you should be be, at some point begin to see yourself kind of finding spaces of feeling a little bit more physically and emotionally, um, kind of, and functionally like yourself. It does not mean you are not sad. So, I would like to see some progression over time. I would say by six to 12 weeks time, depending on like what you live through. If you are a recurrent loss parent, so you had a late loss and then you have another loss, those women, I would very strongly encourage them to get support because going into another pregnancy, assuming that they want to attempt a pregnancy in the future, I really think you need to um, just get some support to make sure that you are emotionally prepared for trying again. Um, and I, you know, those are like the two the, the main things that I would be considering. But the other big one I just have to put out there is that you need to be able to sleep. So if someone is finding that a day or two or five or six later they're still not able to sleep, you need to call your doctor. It doesn't mean you get into therapy, but you must touch base with your OBGYN or your midwife, you have to touch base with a medical provider. Sleep is protective of mental health. If my brain is so agitated that I just cannot sleep, my brain also cannot recover or feel um, feel better or feel more capable or feel able to manage the emotional experience of grieving. So sleep has to be significantly prioritized even though they're not taking care of a newborn in the middle of the night, they can feel so agitated and mind racing um, anxious that they're not able to sleep. So prioritizing sleep is just absolutely crucial and therapy could help with that, could help them kind of that with that release of talking to someone that can get them back on track to being able to sleep and ultimately then be able to physically um, be in a better space for recovery.
2: Thank you. This was really fabulous. And thank you very much. And I guess, Anybody hearing, they know where to reach out to
1: you. Thank you. It's always a pleasure. Thank you for being willing to talk about hard things. Absolutely.
2: All the best. Thank you. Bye-bye. Joining us from Crown Heights is Rav Kasimov. He's a Pisic in the base hero of Crown Heights. He's written about this topic. Welcome, Rav Yes, sir. Claire, thank you. So, let me start with maybe the hardest question. Somebody who had a miscarriage and their you know, they're going through a very personal, you know, uh, a deep depression, and the, the a psychologist or a psychiatrist is very concerned. We said it could lead to, you know, a breakdown, which Allah has going to be kawach You know, just trust me on this one. I could reference to you, right?
3: So, no, not, not not only do I trust you,
2: I, I agree. <laughs> you <laughs> agree with me, me. okay? It's, 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 yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, no, I could re- I could reference to Shaila Shulevitz, but regardless. Okay. So now she asks her husband, "Could you could you hold my hand? Could you give me a hug?" Now, this is an nisanida. Right? The question is, do you say b'makayim, um, you would be doicha and say that he can or he couldn't? What, what's, have you ever worked on this topic?
3: Unfortunately, this shaila has come my way, and I actually gave a share on this specific topic last night, actually. Wow. So the din is actually found in Kuftharikein, Yerideah, in Seifim, Tazvav, Tezain and Yudzain. the three Seifim that deal with the din of the Heila, in regards to uh, so over here, it is definitely much more calmer in the sense that when when a husband is 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 a, is a chayla, it's much easier because his yitzahada, it's not, it's not talk to it's not as hard. Over here, it's the opposite. Over here, it's on, it's the wife who has a din of a chayla without a question. So definitely, it's nev- it's more calmer than vice versa. So over here, we are dealing with a real serious shayla of potentially potentially the koch nefesh. Again, this is a. Case by case scenario. This has something that has to be evaluated by a professional. Not everybody can make their own evaluations. And the answer on one foot is it's not a simple answer. It's yeah, not I a simple
2: it's answer. <laughs> not, it's really not a simple Let me mask what Raptavi is saying. All the Isurim in the Tire are because of the Korah except, except the Giliarius of desire and has Hasdamim. So the question is, does an Isur Nida fall under the denim of Giliarius, right? So you have Sheikh Hasdamim. Yeah, Shiva Sarambam, the,
3: the famous famous Shach in Sid and Chaf, uh, is a, is a homo chloikis between Nesikil uh, and and the Shach in, in Yeredeah about Shiva Sarambam, about Megia, touch, which is not Bederich Chiba, which is not in an affectionate, in a loving way. So, according to the shah and the place in place, and other place can uh, agree with the Shach that it's only in Issam and So, we have Shaytas as well, that holds it in Islam Rabbanon. However, there are those, the Bishmul, that hold it in aisa. even if it's Sholei B'derech HaKhibr, even if it's not an affectionate or a loving touch. Now, I'm most definitely not going to be saying Halakh for sure not in public, but this is at least the, the general discussion of where, with the background of this, of this Halakhah, where comes from. And every Meidah truly has to be done on every single case by itself, is this in the gear, which is the derech Is it not? Are we more machnun with the husband, especially maybe she may be more vulnerable? Are we more concerned that the husband may have more hierudim, so to speak? It's really case by case.
2: So, so, so Reb Tovia is saying that the lashon of the shach is it has to be derech taiva v'chibah bia So that's pretty very, you know, is a hug that way, is is, is holding somebody's arm that way. So you, that would be. So like the shach? That would be the shayla But I would be remiss, Reb Tuvi, if I didn't point out that there's a chuba from the titzol Yazer and the Tzitzel who was who I was quite close to, was my first cousin. lived in Archisrol. When I was, there. I was, you know, he lived in the Chol Nazar was there quite often. Um, he, he used to talk to him, learning very often. He ever heard me very often. So he 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 was the 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 the, the Rav of Shari Shari Tzedek. So most of his Chalakim, he, he was the biggest Paisic in the world on medical, because all the medical shaylos in the world came to him. So he has a tshuva in Cheilik Tezayin, Semenayin, which, again, we're not talking Halakh Lamaisa, talk to you, rabb, but a listen to this, I'm giving them a maramakim. Where he brings from G'dayli Eilam two svaris. One, he says, is that even though the, uh, the Anid is considered one of the Erebus, you know, the first Mishnah in, in, in Yavamis, he says, but Lamaisa, that's only le'gabedina yibam. Legabe, anything else, it doesn't have a din of an Erebus. And, and, he, and he brings Kama the Kam, of a Kam He brings it from the play Yeshua and others. So he says, so if it doesn't have a din of got or got to be anything else. He says, even like the Rambam holds us a din ha He says, the din ha is a but if it's that's a lav. It's not a that's going to be gili, Arias. So according to him... According to him, it comes out even Derechiba would be muttah according to the uh, to the And he also brings he brings from uh, again we're not talking halach I'm talking mara m'kaymis. So our takeaway is this is a very serious shaila and it needs a, 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 you have to talk to a Moira hara who is who is an expert in these inyanim. Is that the takeaway, Ruptovia?
3: Absolutely. And I just want to point out um, on the on the matter that the uh, derg kwal. That, that there's a reason why there's Shalzuchubbis, right? Every single Shiloh, there's multiple layers of how you can approach it. Every yeah. single Shiloh. Yeah, yeah, So, Hagam, the, the Madam Kaimahs are for the Rav to know, not for the Tsuba, not for the public to go and pass them for themselves based on these madam And as you mentioned yourself, that this is definitely not Allah However, these are Madam
2: yeah, Maor So, I and mean, we'll put them up online too, because a number I, I spoke to a Rob who hadn't heard of this since and he says somebody could show me anybody who says that it doesn't have a. So I'm, I put it up online, and and you'll ask again. So let me go to another Shaila. Is there a mitzvah to be kiver uh, likver nefalim?
3: That's a very good question, and um, so there is a range of when there is a, an obligation to perform the k'vodah, and uh, it's a discussion. It's a discussion in the peskin. Most faiths can accept that before 12 weeks, that you do not have to, there's nothing required, there's no chiyuv, that's based on the masham, that's from 12 weeks and on, or just 3 months, then it's already a shayla. And the shayla is based on, there's a vikum evadim. If it's ready there's a, it's nikah, and there's a So once it's nikah, and there's a there's a then one does actually have to bury the navel, just like any other navel. However, before that, one is not obligated to do so.
2: Right, and I, we just want to mention because you know the Mishnah is considered the paisik achron. That in Tavkuf Chavav says Memtesi he, he he says the the nami mitzvah, and that's sort of how he leaves out, which is which is the sheet of the Magen Avram. Right, yeah. so 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 it depends where you come from. I know in Poland most 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 people went after the Magen Avram. I don't know what it was like in Russia. I'm curious. Yeah, by the
3: Shulchan Aruch HaRav, uh,
2: definitely.
3: Most talking yeah. uh, with the Magan like Avram. No, no, no question about it. Yeah. yeah. And if I can, the whole Gishwak Olam, is when, when the Shulchan Aruch HaRav is with the Magan Avram, and all the Deyuk and all the Deyuk that's where that's where the Gishwak part is. But the Delech Klau, definitely with the Magan
2: Avram, yeah. Sure. yeah. He says, the so Magan yeah. opinion is as a mitzvah. Now, let me ask you, a, a shaila. somebody had a, a Nafel, or sometimes a, a two Two miscarriages, and there's a shayla, a medical shayla, they would like to do some testing of the nephil to see is there something genetically that they could help with the mother, etc. cetera, for future births. Um, so, you know, Jews don't do autopsies, uh, except in extreme cases, right? Um, okay. And uh, the the b'nai d'behuda, et etc. The question is, there is no, in front of you, there's no pikuach nefesh so you don't have the heter of the neid <laughs> Behuda. Would there be a heter to test the nephil in such a situation?
3: So this shayla is discussed in the Akhenen. Um on a one foot answer, there is room for it, but again, as we mentioned previously, every case should be there should be a deal on every case for itself and if somebody feels that or the doctor is strongly suggesting it's based on medical evidence based on other testing which there's no shame involved, or unfortunately, if it happened already a few times once twice three times one one. Then, in halacha, there is room to allow it. And I'm not going to get into the details because it's very important that the halal, that every single person have their made head onto that they go to, to ask But definitely, one, if if this happens, if this comes to the way of a certain individual, they shouldn't brush it off. Rather, they should consult with her, because there is room, yeah, if under certain
2: conditions, to allow this. Now, I just want to point out that, like, who discusses this, Rabbi Shleim And you may wonder, like, you don't have any. I mean, we've had miscarriages since, you know, since Adem Arishan, right? Um, why is this being discussed by Rabbi Shleim Azal And the answer is because the concept of testing, a genetic testing on, child, on, 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 on a embryo to see how it affects the family or the mother is, is, a, is a child that, you know, 40 years old. You know what I mean? It didn't exist childless like this. So it's That's mostly... Yeah, and if Shlameh Zalman, you know, uh, it, it was maturit, but, you know, again, it's conditionally depending when, but we'll put the Maramakayimus again up, so for a Rav is interested, I'll see, you'll have the thing. Here's a very interesting Shaila. Do you name the child?
3: That is a very good Shaila. So, there's a difference in Manhagen. If you look in different Sodom, from different Kehillahs, you'll see that there are different Manhagen. They range from no naming at all. They range from the parents themselves actually name the child. They range from also that the parents they do name it. However, the parents are the, not the ones that name the child, rather, it's given over to Chevle Kedisha. And uh, the reasonings which are brought is that uh, when Mashiach comes, they should have a, a Mashiach to the father, that uh, they, should, uh, they should have a name, they should be uh, M'siez Nova.
2: So the Shulchan Aruch discusses naming a Nafel, but it's it's sort of, it's not very clear at what period. It could be a stillborn or something like that. But something that's pre-that, it really doesn't discuss. Right? But, but the Shulchan Aruch does say, Like, like Rabbi said. So here's what's interesting. There's a chuva from Rabbi Einstein. Feinstein. Right, which yeah. we will put online. I'm sure you know it. So why don't you yeah. say over the children that you said.
3: So the fascinating children and actually um, it was mentioned earlier that the pamphlet that was out on this topic, and uh, the shilo was, was asked, the, the, the pamphlet which was uh, published was Shailahs and Poshet, just to bring awareness to parents of the Chabanat going through this, to know that there are Shilos, what the shailahs are, when to ask it of, what's clear Black and white, and one of the shaylos were: Is a child a, a natal, Are they going to become? Are they going to stand by tchiyaseh And I want to point out that really, when I printed the pamphlet, I could have pointed it out to the gemara where the mesheh takes it from, but I begrudgingly put the adamakim to the chivah of the And the reason why I put it was should be the Indian, that it's in, it's, in, in, it's printed in a safer halacha and and that over there the mesheh gives a track that this is what's going to happen. So I felt. It's right. definitely much Roll more takeof and much more chizik for the parents when they know that this is printed in the in the Shah's Chulas Allah Yeah. So that's just a, a side point. Uh, this is a wonderful, wonderful chulum where the Mesha was asked the Shahlah of are the following going to have Thya are they going to stand by Thyan So the Mesh brings the modern and Sanhedrin and uh, he brings Menashi that from the point where the embryo it's an embryo an basically. Pretty much that they will actually have Elam uh, habon. They will actually stand by Chesem Esim. And he also adds that they're going to stand and they're going to be Kegdaelim Tadikim, he writes. Right. So it's a very, very powerful, very, very powerful line. It's not just a line, it's a very, very powerful metzi. It's a very, very powerful fact. And the reality is, when the love and the place speaks to couples who are unfortunately going through this, and when they hear this, it's a tremendous source of Chizuk.
2: Yeah. He says, Yes, yes, that's So, awesome. so, so, so now let's round up. The Shulchan Aruch says you give a name why so that they should when they get up to chias hamaisim yirachamu and they should get up at chias hamaisim. says we pass in like Ravina dehubasra that they are going to get up at chias hamaisim. Comes out that really almost from an embryo, even the first forty days, according to Ramiya, you should you should give a name. Something, something amazing.
3: Seemingly, from, from the reasoning of that, it, it would seem so. However, in practice, it's not what's done. But yeah. seemingly, there, there is such a I have in, at yeah. least. There is a... So the but
2: certainly, if somebody wants to do so, according to a Maish Shuva, they, 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 sh- they definitely have Maqam and they, they should do so. There's no issue. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing wrong. What about saying Kaddish for a, a, a miscarriage, a fetus that was miscarried? You give it a name, they buried it. Could they say Kaddish? That's a wonderful question. So a Kaddish is actually not recited for a navel. And uh, the,
3: the reasoning behind it is actually very simple. Kaddish is meant to bring Tzchossim to the neshama. As we just mentioned, in the Shuvah, the reality is, if anything, we need the schosim. That this precious neshama does not need any tikkunim. It does not need any aliyahs. It's, it's a tzadagama. It's, it's knocking in the cold hate, It doesn't need it.
2: Right. So the, okay. Now, what us say a person wants to say, Kaddish, to says it's not our minig. Would there be
3: an answer in it? There's an a neshava, Um... With Yisinyanam, that's a very good question. Um, these are inyadam, which are Talib and Minuk. And if we don't do it, it's not something to be done. And mean, what I meant by Talib the Minuk is that, you know, there's a Minuk of war. This is what we do, this is what we don't do. So to call it an Isra, I, I think it's a, a stretch to call it an Isra, but it's not something which is done. And if somebody wants to do it, Are they transgressing anything? If their parents are alive, they they, they have to have shalom from their parents. It's not so simple. But in reality, if you explain to them that there is no need, they're they're, they're, they're well off. This neshama is very well off, and and kaddish is not required. Many times, uh, this is a shalom that comes in. The parents, they realize, you know, there is no need to say kaddish."
2: Very nice. Beautiful. Do you sit shiva for a navel? Shiva is not sat for a navel, no. Yeah. And it would be for the same reason, I guess, no? Correct. But what happens if the parents are in deep distress? Because the, the shiva has two reasons. It's for the mace, but it's also for the chai. What did the parents say for themselves they need shiva? What would you say? So, you know, we had, a, we had at work, we had a most amazing thing. I deal with a lot of game. So I was talking to somebody at work and he tells me, you know, my mother died this morning and he's there like in the afternoon. He's He's, you know, doing spreadsheets. And I just looked at him like my mouth opened up it's 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 such a foreign thing to us, you know but but more than that, you know the Torah, you know the Torah is is Manas, but even psychologists they say they say that we will have into something, there are stages of grieving. And people who don't go through, uh, Elizabeth, I forgot her last name, says, wrote the five stages of grieving. People who don't grieve, there's the grieving of Isayim, there's a grieving of Shavuah, there's a grieving of Shlashim, there's a grieving of Shana, of Achulu, right? Um, uh, there's different targets in grieving, and each one is important. And if it doesn't, if it's not grieved, it, it, it could come out years later, it could come out in a heart attack. Or, you know what I mean? There's, so yeah, somebody comes to you, they would say, Reb Tovya, Rahman we had a miscarriage, and, and you know we're very distraught, can we sit Shavu? Now we know we, we don't have to say Shiva. What would you say? Without the dinam of Shiva, take a week off of work. I'm sorry? As
3: if, w- without following the straight dinam of Shiva, take a week off from work. Take the time to get back to yourself. So if, if you're looking at, at it from a, a, a purely psychological aspect, so and not Mitzad Halacha, so take the, the psychological aspect, Shabbai, and apply that. Take the week off from work. You know, put your phone on, do not disturb your automatic email response, I'm currently out of the office, until uh, this and this date, leave me alone until then. Okay, you don't have to write that, but uh, at least in your mind, that's what a, what a person should do. If, if this is what yeah. they, they really need. So to call it an official shiva, that's uh, not required, but uh, the, the psychological aspect of what they need to, to heal or to process or to grieve or all of the above, they can do the, the, the physical aspect of it.
2: Okay, so what would you say to this, Shaila? A woman, Rahmanullah's son, had a miscarriage, and the next son is a healthy boy, and she's not married to a Kayan, her father's not a Kayan, she's not a, a Leviite, right? And she wants to know, did they make a pidginah then?
3: That's
2: a very good, Shailah.
3: So it really depends on when the Apollo happened, and there's a range within the the Paschim, there's a, a shir that you do it without a bracha, there's a, a shir that you do it, even if it's before, you even do it with a bracha, and that's really what it, what it boils down to. It's it's the main question when they call the Rav is to ask, and the Rav is going to ask them. But they have to call to ask. It's when did it happen, and uh, and uh, the the bracha. But uh, definitely, either it's not done if it was done if it happened in a very late stage. If it was a bit earlier, you do it have a bracha, and if it was very early, then it's uh, done with the bracha regularly.
2: So so there's three there's three steps here. Yeah. I mean, the Shacharar there's a pesach Chuva and shin hayes of Katan Chavetz. At uh, Rav Tovia is discussing. In other words. If it's in the very in the beginning, it's no problem. Afterwards, it depends on what stage it is. What's called rikmoi and if it's later, then it would pata. So this is again, this is a child that needs a rub, but it's very likely that it does need a pigeon so it's worth a shayla. What about a woman is uh, is a ma'pelas? So we know that a a a a yeldis is of Isn't my name kippa? I had a daughter; she was born on Ches, um, and. Uh, Hishrei, and, and my wife didn't fast. that's Jem Kippur, right? Now, uh, uh, now, what would you say if a woman was a at the same time? Does she, does it have the same din of a Yerladas in Kippur or not?
3: So that's wonderful, Shalom. So You have the famous B'nai Lach and Talflation Zion, that brings from the Seich Hamid, B'Shem Kamachem, that yes, they do have the same din as a Yerladas, and the right. Seich Shlasha, yes, that's the same din, absolutely.
2: Yeah, yeah. What about um, being Mechal Shabbos for a uh, uh you led uh, for a uh, for uh, for a miscarriage like a yeah would you say the same halacha? Well,
3: the yes. yeah. will we'll we'll apply the same principle from the Rabban. that uh whenever you're able to make it with a shimmery, obviously you're supposed to do it with a shimmery. But again, if you're not able to, um you do what you have to do. You have to call Hatsala nine one
2: one. Tovia, thank you very much. You're clearly an expert in these topics. If anybody wanted to reach out to you, how how could they? Is by email? By how would they reach you?
3: The easiest way is my phone number: nine one seven two four four one
2: seven nine nine. Yeah, and, and you could see clearly that he's really an expert in these. And yeah, thank you very much, Reverend Tovia. And we we hope that that this podcast, uh, this this chapter of the podcast, goes out of business, right?
3: As Hashem is v'nech. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. Yeah, call to. I got you. Bye bye. i